What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26 of Boardrooms Out of Office. Here, as always, with my main man, Gianni Harrell. G, what up, brother? What's up, my G? How you feeling? I feel good, man. You know this is a big interview for me, right? Yes, sir, Ski. All right, so today I fulfill what I believe has been one of my lifelong dreams of speaking to legendary number 56, LT, Lawrence Taylor, the defensive superstar of my New York Giants in the 80s and 90s, and one of the most impactful athletes, period, in the history of American sports. I said that. I believe that. I think he is one of those culturally relevant, transcendent athletes that will be talked about forever, and I even think 56 should have been retired as his jersey across all of football, not just for the Giants. And I tell him that in this interview. So well, Gianni and I are going to talk to him. Uh, I think he was chilling at the clubhouse before his daily round of golf or rounds. This man plays sometimes 27, 30, 32, 36 holes, he told me. We covered the ups and downs of his career. We talk a little bit about his battles and his problems, his love-hate relationship with Coach Parcells. We go into Brady and Mahomes, Belichick. He says some wild stuff, but let me tell you something. This man is a legend, and this man was well worth the wait having him on the pod because it was a real fun ride. So everybody enjoy and listen up because I just scratched off one of uh, my bucket lists, which is to hang and interview the incredible Lawrence Taylor. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the show, Mr. Lawrence Taylor. Hey, thank you guys. I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to see what the hell y'all want to talk about. Well, <laughs> let me tell you what we want to talk about. First of all, man, you must get this a lot or you get this from time to time. But I have to say I have five people that no matter what I've done in my career will make my mother and father's jaw drop. Just the idea that I have crossed paths with certain people in my life because of what I do, only few, few things make my whole family, my wife understands how important it is. And that's to talk to you and the impact you had on a young New York sports fan. So it is really an honor to have you on today, my man. Thank you. Um, I sh Gianni and I earlier today were watching, uh, we like to prep a little bit. We keep our conversations very informal, but we prep and go and go through videos and stuff. So, you know, Gianni obviously knew well about you and knew, understood the legacy of LT, but I had to show him the crazed dogs video. Oh, uh, the crazed dog part. Hey, <laughs> you can't have one without the other, okay? Nah, man, let me tell you something. That crazed dog video, my brother and I must have run that back, said that shit to each other 8,000 times growing up. And that video still to this day, I got to check in with it once a year. Um, but it, but again, man, watching highlights of you play and watching the like intensity and speed in which the game was, um, and then when you watch football games now, when you were watching the games yesterday, how do you watch football and how do you see the, the game of football when you're watching it compared to the era when you played, just in terms of the overall physicality? You know, I to tell you the truth, I'm not a big football buff anymore. I'm known to sit there and watch game after game. Uh, of course not. Now, of course, the playoffs are something else, and I want to see what's happening uh, on the playoffs. But, um, of course, certain things have changed. I don't see why they don't allow them to, man, just hit a little bit harder, a little bit harder, especially as the quarterback. Just hit him in the head just a little, little bit harder. You know, I don't see how they allow 
the quarterback to sit back there for five or six seconds and and, and throw this ball. I mean, I, I don't see that. So, uh, but um, the game is exciting. And uh, the two games I watched yesterday, that was some good football yesterday. That was some really good football. And this guy, Brady, man, what the hell is going on? You know, hey, it's, something, it's never going to get old. Never. So when you when you watch him and – you obviously played against some of the best quarterbacks during your yeah. time in, in the 80s and 90s. Do you also see him and what he's done over this long period of time is making him unquestionably the best ever? Well, he is the best ever until then we got to see what Mahomes' uh, legacy is going to be because, you know, they seem like uh, the more you throw the ball, the they, they more they, they – um, how would you say, put a, a hold on the defense, uh, you're going to score. I like the style of football nowadays, but I'm talking back in my era, but this, this is what we call real football, blood and guts. Uh, right now it's a finesse game, and, and, but it is an exciting game. Yeah. Well, that, it's funny because when you're watching Travis Kelsey play, right, and I get you don't watch football all season long, but I'm sure you mm -hmm. understand that – He's a dominant tight end, and both of them, Gronk and uh, Kelsey, uh, from the other yeah. side. I mean, that's gonna be a great game. When I've always said, if you have a good tight end, you always in the running. You can always win because that's that's one position that people don't really account for. And it's so funny, like when Brady was at New England. He had those little wide receivers as uh, you know possession people. Now he got now he got Gronk and and, and uh, now he got Gronk again. And Gronk is 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 a is a is a force to be reckoned with. And even with uh, the, the other uh, Kelsey, had, um, he's they, they are forces to work. If you can, like I said, if you can have a good tight end, you're always going to be in the running. You know, well, you played when I was a kid. I used to have like my boys come over, and the one I was a bigger kid, so I used to be Mark Bavaro, and I used to run. Yeah. I used to run through my living room and have all my friends try to tackle me, and then I drag them all through the living room like Mark Bavaro did. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look at uh, Washington Redskins back in the day. You know, they throw the ball. The only person that's going to hurt you wasn't the wide receivers. It's going to be the tight end because that's. As a New York Giants, we don't cover the tight end. You know, it's funny when you talk about the game, right? Like I brought up Travis Kelsey because he's almost like a cheat code, right? Like that's the, yeah. the buzz on social media is they call him the cheat code because eight yards he's open every time. When you guys were dominant and the football in the 80s was defensive wins, defense wins championships, but the Giants never were known. I loved Phil Simms. I loved the run Jeff Hostetler made. But you guys were never known to have had the best talent players at their positions, right? Joe Morris was good. O.J. Anderson was good. But as a defensive player back then, the way defensive players now get mad, did you guys ever, when you were pulling out these like 13-10 wins, did you ever get frustrated with the fact that as much as you may have loved Phil, you didn't have this offense that could put up points? Listen, we should tell Phil, hey, we don't give a shit what you do. Just don't turn it over. <laughs> we say, listen, we'll score on defense. 
We're scoring to special team. We just just don't turn it over. And then they said, um, and when he's hot, he's hot. You know, it is. It, we don't put a lot of pressure on him, but hey, we had a defense that could uh, win a 13-14 game or a 13-10 game, or it was, it, we, we were we were pretty good. But that's the um, you know, I guess the difference now. But you look at these two gunslingers right now. Well, not a gunslinger. I mean, Brady is an older guy. I mean, hell, he's ready for Medicaid. But um, I tell you what, what a great player he is. And then Mahomes, I mean, he throws a – and I've noticed about Mahomes, he takes that big old drop, 10, 12-yard drop, then he starts running towards the line. And he is not out of play until he crosses that line. I mean, he's, you know, he's – he can throw the ball anywhere, so I mean, that's a that's a dangerous dangerous weapon to have. So I know you don't watch football, but when you're sitting there watching him running around and watching Mahomes get all open every time, are you like are you sitting there using that defensive brain? Absolutely. I wish I was playing against that. Like, listen, I would. I mean, it was certain things that would we would do. We put a spy in there that is going to uh, watch him everywhere he goes. Is going to go around with him. You cannot allow him to take a eight to tenth of yard drop and stand back there all day. Where's the outside rushers? Come on, guys. Yeah, and you guys would have hit the shit out of Kelsey off the line. No chance he's running eight yards. But back in those days, you could. You could beat a person up at the line. You know what? Hey, we, you can't beat them now. You can't touch them. But I mean, let's say, hey, this, shit, we, we beat shit out somebody at the line. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you taking in the Super Bowl? It's hard to go against Brady, but hey, unless you got Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes. <laughs> I like that, man. I like that. <laughs> That's it. So basically, LT doesn't know who he's betting on yet, right? We don't know yet. I feel the same way. You already know. I know, no, 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 no. I didn't say that. Me, listen. I know who I'm betting on. Hey, smart money going with my home. My home. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. So let me go back a little bit. I want to understand something about you, and I don't want you to be humble at all, right? Because no different than some of the greatest entrepreneurs or 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 tech CEOs that I've I've talked to. There's a you all have this greatness. You've all achieved something and been the best at what you do, right? Now, that happens, though, that certain commitment level, that happens at certain points for different people. And I know when you turn the switch on in your life, you probably turn into, like you said, a bunch of crazed dogs, right? So you didn't start playing football till your sophomore year in high school. Right. Was that the moment when it switched, or did it take a little time to realize that you you had a way to get out, you had a way to make a living for your family, and then you turn the switch on. And when did all that happen for you? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. When I first, like I said, when I first went out there, um, you know, I was I was a junior and stuff, and 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 you say about turning the switch. Well, it took me it took me a long time to turn the switch. It took me maybe three or four games. <laughs> <laughs> Three or four games no. till you realize you were that motherfucker. Hey, I came into the um, – I was like the fifth game of the season, fifth or sixth game of the season. Uh, 
I was uh, Tony McCarlo's backup, and he got hurt. So I went in and had a great game. And I never had a bad game until probably sometime in, uh, I was in college. I know I, I, I always had a, had a good game and played very well. And there's one thing about I learned when I was playing that great players don't make all the plays. There's no way. I, I, I'm not going to make 100 tackles, but I make big plays. So listen, if I can cause a fumble, if I can, and that's why, you know, you should see me swat people because, hey, I'm always looking for something extra, a big play. If I can cause a fumble, have a sack at the right time, or uh, break up a pass at the right time, that's when you get on ESPN, okay? Uh, that's when they, That's when you get called by you to do these podcasts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so... So you're saying that so if I hear you correctly yes sir and and and, and by the way I do know that about you cuz when I was looking at your stats as off the chain as they are you have to watch LT play to understand that the impact you had on the plays where you didn't register any kind of stat were the ones that made you so frightening right so when you were dominating like that did you just realize like you said 3 games in you were like oh I could do this like I can do this did that did that click there and then just you became LT? Well, you know, I'm telling you, my father told me something a long time ago when I started playing football. And it was really beating my ass uh, the, the, the first three or four weeks. Right? And I wanted to come home and, and, that's, and I'm telling tell my father, I'm not going to play no more, I'm going to quit. He said, man, hey, what? He said, you got to be better than the next man just to be equal. And that, then I understood that, and that's, and I started kicking some ass. Uh, hey, it's we think that you know, we we're doing what we have to do to get over. I'm not looking to get over. I'm looking to bury you. So, hey, that's that's that was uh, you. Know, that's a concept I had. I, I, I like. I I love contact. I mean, I. I did, a day in football back when I was young now. I ain't doing it no more. But a day in football, if I don't have contact, shit, what the hell am I playing for? I don't want to be out here if I can't hit somebody. Damn, when you talk like that, I feel like you could hit somebody right now. Man, I'm ready to hit you. Knock the blast right off your face. <laughs> Yo, let me ask you a question. If I had a football in my hand and no pads and we're at the one-yard line, you think I could get past you right now to get through the end zone? You would be pregnant because I would have shown you so far off your head. <laughs> Yo. Oh, my God. All right. Yo, so <laughs> this is this is epic. This is epic. He's right, though, by the way. you damn right. And that's why I'm never doing that shit. Um, there you go. There you go. So when you went to North Carolina, being the killer that you are, were you pissed at, like – the Miamis and the Alabamas or Nebraskas at the time didn't come and recruit you? You know, it, I wasn't uh, – I only played two years and actually just a year and a half, you know. And um, I wasn't going to Alabama anyway. I wasn't going so – let's say I went to North Carolina because in my town, there's only one person that's ever went to college in my town, all right? 
wherever he go, I go. Uh, so, and I went with him, and and I I tell you, uh, it took me a while to understand college ball because you know when I when I went to you know, and yes, I went from uh, I was all American in 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 high school, but when I went to Carolina. You know, you got the best of the best. You got people from all over, and you think, well, that's a whole nother level you have to play at. You know, the first day, I, I, I meet Billy the Horse Johnson. He's like about 5'10", 5'11", 265-pound running back. And I actually, what you say? She said running back. Man, I called my mom. I want to come home. Yes. And my mom said, she, you know, she's being a nice lady. She said, you better stay your ass over there. <laughs> said, I ain't going to feed you. Anyway, but I learned. And I, I, I tell you what, I, I, had, a, I had a great coach in, in college. I had a, I mean, a position coach, Bob uh, Tressler. And, but he died. He, he died. But I had a great coach. And I tell you what, he got me going in the right directions. And, and listen, and even when I was playing, you know, my first year was all right. The second year, it wasn't until my third year that I understood what football was all about. And when I, and I was just, just another name, you know, and also playing Lawrence Taylor, you know, so I was just another name. About halfway through my junior year, just like halfway through my junior year, I made a play. I made a play, big play, so and so, and I started to get recognition for for that. And that's how I played for the rest of my career. I mean, hey, I'm not gonna make every play, but listen, every time there's a big play, I'm gonna be around there somewhere because hey, I want to. Hey, listen, they, they tell you, hey, I need somebody to go with. We stand in line. Somebody got to make a play on this. Somebody got to make a play. God, we got to stop. Somebody got to make. A Shit, I don't care if all you son bitches are asleep. I'm gonna make a play, okay? Because they, it's mine. I just mine, and I want it. You know, I heard you say one time you went to your dad, and one time you went to your mom, and they both basically told you get your shit together, like right in 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 whatever words they said it. Uh, yeah, that part was in prose. <laughs> no, I don't know. So did did your parents instill that? Like, did they instill that dog in you? My father was a baseball player and he was a fighter. He was a, a boxer. And, um, you know, I respected him, you know. <laughs> I had no choice. He's either going to kick my ass or I'm going to kick his one or two. But, um, you know, my mother was, was great. And, but uh, I think, and, and I'm really, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, I've had some great coaches in my life. I mean, from high school to college to the NFL, I've had some great, uh, great coaches that uh, have um, allowed me to do my thing instead of just, I don't have to conform to a, this regimen or this regimen, I don't have to do this. Hey, they allow me to do what I do. And um, it has worked out, you know? So when you get drafted by the Giants, number two, you know who got drafted ahead of you? George Rogers. Yep. George Rogers. He was all right, though. He made a Pro Bowl. He was all right. He was. He was like, there's only one game that whole his whole senior year that he didn't run for for a hundred yards. Well, he happened to play us. That's why he didn't get a hundred yards. 
And that's why but, uh, that's why they should have drafted you first. Well, no, listen, that shit. Then I'd been, I would have been in rehab uh, two months earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to talk to you about a few things about your giant years, right? Um, first of all, when you get drafted by New York, like, were you a were you a troublemaker as in college and high school? Like, did you get into shit? Never. I was just me. You were just you. Yeah, but I mean, it, but see, you got to understand when uh, Dick Crump became a coach, and I was I was a senior. I was senior. I ran the team. Dick didn't run the team. I ran the team. So hey, so and he was called for a practice. Like we have a game on Saturday, and he wants to practice on Sunday. Oh hell no! He <laughs> practicing on Sunday, and he got really mad and upset. So he told the teams that I was a troublemaker, right? Yeah. But yeah, okay. I guess the Giants like trouble. Because they, they they signed on. It was it was it was a great relationship too. I had Bill I had uh, Bill Parcells, you know, as my um uh, defensive coordinator. And you know the funny thing is this: when we was when we um started, and and I came on the field, you know, every first day of practice, you know, and I started on the third team. I was a, the third team. And then about 10 minutes later, I was on second team. And then about three minutes later, I was on first team. So, so I went through the whole process. And Parcells used to, I mean, get on my ass. I mean, every pl- uh, practice, every play, it just wasn't done right and done the way he wanted it to be done. And, man, we went through that thing for about five days. Finally, I couldn't take no more because I ain't never had nobody talk to me the way that he was talking to me. Hell, shit, not not in college. Hell. No, I ain't. And I looked at him. He jumped in my ass. I said, listen, hey, Coach Barcells, you can cut me. You can trade me. You can put John Scorpan back in here in front of me. I don't care what you do, but you got to stay the hell off my ass because I, I don't work like this. So he looked at me. He looked at me for about five minutes. He said, okay, I'm going to let you do it your way. But when you screw up, you got to do it my way. I didn't talk to him again for the next 10 years. <laughs> you never did it the wrong way. You never <laughs> fucked up. I didn't have a problem with him for the next 10 years, man. So <laughs> that's incredible, man. Well, that's by the way, that's what obviously makes a great leader, right, is understanding who they know they can give those reins to. Um, but I look, I, I only know your relationship from afar. I know from working with KD that the media and the narrative that defines the relationships that are happening in pro sports are not always what they're never usually what they really are. So people think you and Parcells are father and son. They think you husband and wife hate. more like it. Husband and wife? Nah. I don't. <laughs> are you guys like do you think Parcell's style of coaching, like he must have been a dick. Like, do you think his style of coaching could work today? Yeah, but see, yes. Don't get me wrong. Bill Parcells is a dick. <laughs> but he's a dick with a condom on to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow! 
man. Well, all right. So I'm going to try to translate that in saying that even though he was, you felt safe in knowing that that was. Yeah, yeah, I felt safe. <laughs> uh, Parcells, and then to Parcells, hey, I'll tell you what, we, we had a great relationship. Hey, we would fuss all, all the time because he really thought that was his team, but it wasn't his team, it was my team. Okay, so we would fuss all the we argue all the time and stuff, but come Sunday, Around one o'clock, I'm gonna be standing right beside him on that sideline, and I'm ready to go uh, do some work. And um, a Bill is is a I like the way he coach. I like his philosophy of football. You know, you, you run the ball, you, you pass when you when you when you can, and and we got to have a solid defense. I love his philosophy of, of football. It maybe won't work nowadays. But back in our days, man, that was a, it, it yep. worked every time. And what about Belichick? I cursed Parcells out when he hired Belichick as the defensive coordinator. I mean, listen, I come into the league and I meet uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, he's a assistant special teams coach. Now, what the hell? That's like a towel boy. What the hell is that? Assistant special teams coach. And then the next year, he's a special teams coach. And then the third year, Parcells becomes a head coach, and he makes Doug on um, uh, Belichick the defensive coordinator. And I went, I went ape shit. I went up and said, I went, no, ain't no way. Ain't no way. So I go into his office, and, and, and Parcells say, listen, hey, but I'm going to tell you. He said, most of the defense that we run right now, those are Bill Belichick's design. I said, what? I mean, even cover two? I mean, even red two? All those belong to him? I said, <laughs> hey, he got a little respect for me that day. And, and I tell you what, he has turned out to be one of one of the best coaches in history. He's got, he's, he's got to be the best coach in history. No, you don't think so? I mean, this is some great coaches. Listen, hey, uh, I don't care what I say. Bill Parcells ain't going to never hold back room to nobody. No, you're right. When I look at the Giants era as a fan, right, 86 was like pure dominance. I don't think the 86 team gets mentioned enough with the 85 Bears, et cetera. 86 team, you're you absolutely right. Because after going through that, I know that the Bears talk about that 85 team, right? But our 86 team – after we narrowly won the game against Minnesota, no did, and then we still had like six, seven. No team played with us. We was the best team that ever. I mean, listen, guys. Even at the Super Bowl, we we let, we we dicked around with them, and then hey, listen, our third quarter, third quarter was the most important quarter for us in, uh, that year. We blew everybody out. Everybody. Everybody out about third quarter. Everybody. It was just we was we was a phenomenal team. And I don't think we get enough credit. I don't think you get enough credit either. Um you were fourteen and two in the regular season. Um I remember the games you lost. We lost our first game to Dallas. Yes. And we yes. lost our 
seventh game to somebody. That was it. Then we lose. We lose again. You win again in 1990, and that run was insane. Hostetler, Sims gets hurt versus the. I think it was the Broncos or Bills at home. Hey, listen, let me tell you If Phil hadn't got hurt, we would never won the Super Bowl. Wow. So we don't. And I understand. Like it was the style of play that year. Jeff brought something that Phil did not. Yeah, Hostetler. Hey, he couldn't hit a barn. If the barn was right in front of him, but he could run. 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 And that's how you guys beat Buffalo. It's how you beat the Niners. You had the insane fumble and recovered the fumble in San Fran. But you, you win those two years. But in your career, what bothered me about that run is like, you guys should have won another year. You should have won another year. You definitely had a chance. What year do you look at in your career? Because everybody I've talked to, I spoke to Michael Vick, Gianni and I did like eight weeks ago. He remembered a game to the T where like, we should have won that shit. Keeps me up tonight still. But you're right. We won the 86 Super Bowl. We should have came back the very next year and won that. All right? We went. We, we should have came back. Everybody started uh, wanting to renegotiate their contracts, and so it, it just never worked out. And then... We win in 1990. Then Parcells, he's what he do? He dig on retires or, or, or quits on that Tuesday and give us um, Ray Hanley. Ray Hanley. I mean, we can't, we, uh, there was no way to win with that. No. I mean, damn, Ray Hanley was getting his ass kicked in the locker room. So how the hell are you gonna go out here to the field and listen? It was terrible. I mean, listen, it's. I had never had so much chaos in all my life, and except for the first year that Bill Parcell uh, coached. You know, the first year. Wait, hold on. You guys used to beat up Ray Hanley in the locker room? Carl Banks used to tear his ass up. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> a coach getting his ass handed yeah, to him? Yeah, listen. And I would come over, and I'd be like, hey, come on, Carl. And I would help um, – Ray out the locker because you know, calling and beat his ass into the locker. <laughs> That's a different era, man. I mean, listen, it's a different hey, era. I mean, listen, man, I'd be like, man, kickoff is in three minutes. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> kickoff in three minutes. You got the coach, the head coach, is sitting in the locker. Shut up. He wasn't on. They was on that. They was they was treating him like uh, Screech. Oh, man. Ray, Ray just, I don't know how it happened, but it just, at some point, and I do know how it happened, but I'm not going to say. But uh, at one point, he just lost all respect of the team. And when, when, when that happens, you know, you can't win. You can't win. You know, and uh, and see, and and I blame Bill Parcells for that. I really do. For putting him in this like lame duck situation. No, I blame Par Bill Parcells because he retired on Tuesday, and he knew he was going to retire, and not retire, but uh, going to leave and maybe go somewhere else. So he could have gave that job to Belichick. And 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 Bill would be because Bill was next in line. He could have had that job and 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 done something special there.
So, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a tough question right now. I hope you don't feel away when I ask you this, right? So I look at your career: 13 seasons, 10 Pro Bowl. I mean, you, for, I don't even 10 Pro Bowls, nine All Pro. Your sack record's insane, but even your sack record, like I said, like if they counted the amount of people that got sacks because there was three people on you, your your sacks would be over 200. And pound for pound, I think like generationally, most people would say you were the baddest defensive player to ever play. I was pretty good. I was pretty good. All right. Do you think you underachieved though? Um, It all depends on how you look at it. You know, yeah, there's more I could have done. And then at some games I might have had less because I might have been locked up. So we have to look at that. I mean, I am really happy with my career. I really am. Um, I I know there's, there's some games I didn't fight as hard as I should have fought. But on the first 10 years of my career, the first 10 years, because of Bill Parcells and because of the love I had for him as a coach, and and he knew, he used to get on the, let me tell you, he used to get on the bus, like we go somewhere and, uh, and play a away game, right? He'd get on the bus and we'll always have a roll call. You know, make sure everybody's there. He used to look at that roll call. He said, LT, you here? And I said, yeah, coach, I'm here. He said, let's go, bus driver. We got enough to win. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> so he's the type of guy that, um, that kept me going. I mean, listen, hey, uh, no matter what kind of trouble I was uh, getting into, uh, he was he he stand behind me. And um, in the last few years, you know, and you, I believe in, you know, you play all you can and then three more. And I gave him so I came. My ten years was all I could play. I gave him three more just for the hell of it. Do you do you think that you didn't treat your body as well, or was it just not what people did back then? Treat your body as well. What you talking about? Like in terms of the working out, like you know the way players train. Well, see, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a workout type of guy. I don't I don't go to the gym and and, and lift weights. And I didn't lift weights when I was uh, in in pro ball. I mean, I would go in there and no, I wouldn't even go in there. No, um, but um. But I know my body, and I know what I can do, and and uh, uh, quickness and speed, and 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 um, and mentally, I was tougher than anybody I'm going to line up against. Yeah, I would make sure I did. And mentally, I was I was I was pretty solid. No, I understand that. No, and I and also I think like there's a there's also just like. The flip side to it, which is a lot of players now that spend 365 days of the year working on their body, end up being more prone for injury. You know, I I, I, I can't understand. I, we had those type of guys back in my day too. That they they take one week off and then they back out there running and and in the gym and all that stuff. Uh, hey, I'm like, wait a minute, I just. 
I got things to do. I mean, I, I got things to do, people to see. Okay, so. <laughs> I feel so. you. Well, you know, you know, it's funny you say that because, all right, so after Kevin won his first championship, we were back at his house. It was a bunch of us. And at that point, he had won a handful of scoring titles and MVP. It was his first championship. And there was that feeling of like, okay, the adrenaline rush was like, now what kind of thing? And obviously, you want to go right back at it. I bet you he went right. As soon as he got home, he went to the gym to shoot some balls, didn't he? Well, listen, I think early in his career he did and would have. But I think, like you said, later in his career and starting in the Bay, he understand he understood that balance a bit. Um, and also the journey to get there is so much of what you enjoy and so much of that like mental warfare that you play with yourself that when you win, there's a feeling of a letdown to some degree, no matter who you are. Do you think that like adrenaline rush was was has always been what's driven you? Because, you know, I think if you look at young entrepreneurs or you look at young athletes, it's the same thing. You spend your whole life trying to get somewhere. The things you go through to get to where you have to go are always unique to yourself. Everybody's had this insane experience. And then you win, and it's this feeling of, like, there's nothing that can happen that can make you feel the excitement that you thought you were going to have when you got there. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, and what? I understand where you're going from. Yeah, winning solves a lot of problems, but it also creates a lot of problems, too. So, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a two-headed sword and stuff. I am... Um, Winning to me is nothing unless you have the respect of your peers. If unless you have your teammates and it's all together because we're not an individual sport, you know, hey, hey, if my guys over here are happy, my guys over here are happy, I'm happy. Because I tell you what, far as um, especially the years that I was captain, there was nothing more important than 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 my teammates. It was nothing more important. To that point about adrenaline, like, all right, so, and tell me if you're not comfortable with this question, but I've had people in my family that have struggled with addiction on a, in every, like, part of my family tree. I can tell. I'm looking at you. No, I'm messing with you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, by the way, there's something about that joke that I fucking loved. I appreciate the fact that LT just said that to me. Yeah. But, okay, so... I definitely believe that there's a difference. Um, addiction is is real a disease as one can have, but I do think that the adrenaline addiction is real, and it sometimes manifests in drugs. It sometimes manifests in gambling. It sometimes manifests in like obsessive working out or obsessive working at your craft. And I can relate. I've gone through moments. I've never been as addictive as I am about trying to get a the adrenaline rush from different things in life. Do you think that like some of your struggles, full transparency with drinking and drugs had more to do with like the sign of the times in New York and more that you were craving the adrenaline rush? Or did you really think that you found yourself like with a prob a real problem? Well, you know, I'm in New York City, the biggest stage in the, uh, in the world, you know. Hey, I am the leader of the band. Uh, I, I, I am the, the, the uh, Michael Jackson of uh, football at the time. I mean, things happen. You know, you get caught up in things, and then you get when you get caught up, there's no easy way to stop. You know, but I don't worry about it, and I, and, and I think 
I thank God for for that for that experience. I really have because I'm a much rounded person now, I'm a much controlled person now than I, I ever would have been. I totally get what you're saying in terms of like had that shit not happened to you, and you have to think that way. I watched your Showtime documentary. Right, and I saw the uh, the scene at your daughter's wedding, and I have two daughters. My daughters are much younger; they're they're eleven and seven. That was your wedding, and I'm sitting there, and it was like that was a powerful moment because I I could see just, and I don't know you, but I'm watching you on the screen, and there's a billion things going through your mind, and that you were crying, and I could tell how deep that was because you must have been thinking about a lot, right? As any dad would when their daughter's getting married. So that work, that work balance and that like family work balance is a real thing for anybody. But if you got yourself to this like in, in this certain mind state to compete, it must have been really hard as much as you wanted to be with your family to be able to be LT and then go home and turn it off and, and live at this calm state. It must because I know it's hard for me when I'm building a company. Well, I understand what you're saying because, you know, hey, LT, he's a great athlete. LT, he's the life of the party. LT, boy, he can do this. Hey, listen, he's Superman. He's got, and back in the day, my family, especially my kids and stuff, hey, they kept me as much as I can. But I, hey, for, for a while, I just got out there. You know what? Hey, we, we've all known the story. We've, we've all heard it. And, uh, it, and, you only heard about 10% of it because it's, the story could, could go crazy. But um, I worked my way out of it. I've been uh, off drugs for, what, 20-some years now, 25 years. I don't know what it is, but uh, it is what it is. And right now I, I speak to kids all the time that um, they're having a problem or the parents will call me because the, the, they want me to speak to their child. All the time I do it. And um, it, it's, it's not like I, I'm trying to uh, give myself a pat on my back and say, hey, listen, I went through it. And I, it's something that, hey, I wouldn't ask anybody to go through. I, and by the way, I want to just commend you and give you your flowers because the fact you've been sober that long, man, that's that's <laughs> like that's that's very commendable. Because like I said, having uh, knowing about addiction in my family, mm -hmm. then I can appreciate that even that much more, um, like how long you've been able to do it. And I know what you went through. You know, it's funny because as I think about your post career, I'm thinking about certain things. I saw you act in any given Sunday. You were incredible. Um, you actually were truly incredible because some athletes act and, and, and they suck. Right. Do you understand, you understand your cultural relevance? Like, do you fully grasp that like similar to AI in some ways, Alan Iverson, like LT number 56, just your highlights, it's transcendent. Have you like, can you grasp how culturally relevant and what you mean to so many people? I just know that LT is a bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that might've been the best answer we have ever had right there. It's like it is, okay. Yup, no, you're right, you're right. You are, you are a bad motherfucker and I think your career, like, let's talk about that any given Sunday. You you went into character. You clearly, did you enjoy doing that? And did you, like, did you prepare similarly in some ways that you prepared to go on the field? The story behind that, you know, uh, what, what was the guy? Uh, Duncan Clark, uh, the big yep. guy, you know? I was in rehab 
I was in rehab when when um uh, with um Oliver Stone he wanted me to read for that part. And so I was but I was in drug rehab. So uh, they didn't let me go for the day. I went down and I read for the part, but I, I had I didn't it wasn't a good read. Uh I just was I was just I, anyway. So I go back and then they uh, or they I guess they hired Duncan Clark or whatever it is and to to have the, the, the role as the shark. Well and I was still in rehab and so once I got out they asked me to come down to um to Florida to watch the filming, you know, and and it may be a technical direct uh technical person, you know, They'd give them some tips and stuff. So I I flew down and I went to the practice and and, and Clark, I mean he big guy, man, but no coordination whatsoever. I mean he was <laughs> he, he was terrible. I mean, as a football player. So, Oliver Stone, he actually said, LT, can you do me a favor? I said, yeah. He said, can you run inside, put on the uniform, come out, and show Duncan how to run this scene? So, I went in, came back, and I ran the scene. Then all of a sudden, he looked at Duncan and said, you fired, LT. (laughs) 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 You my new shark. I said, okay. And so, and that's how I, that's how I um I landed that role. And uh, after that, I did about thirteen, fourteen more films. Yeah, it was nice. good. Do you ever want to be around the game of football anymore? No, that's not me. No, I, I'm not a I'm not a coach. I yeah, I'm a mediocre fan, and um, I don't think. Uh, at this stage of the game, I'm 60 some years old, man. Hey, at this stage of the game, I'm just going to uh, hey, be like uh, John Wayne, just ride off into the sunset. Ride off. You got a long time still, though, my brother. You got a long time still. Who from your playing days from those teams are you close with? Anybody still today? Harry Carson, um, uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, Phil Sims, uh, uh, O.J. Anderson. I mean, it, me and O.J. Matter of fact, we have a we have two businesses together. You know, uh, O.J. Anderson and myself. So, yeah, I still got still got friends. Yeah, LT, you got a lot of business in front of you. I mean, LT is a transcendent brand. I'm telling you, we're gonna talk, and I know your daughter knows this. She's probably got you. She probably got you straight. Got this business straight. I could see it. I can see in how she moves, but I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of potential uh, for you to take advantage of. Like you know, I think informing a new generation of just like how absolutely insane of an athlete you were. Like to me, you're with Wayne Gretzky and in these conversations and in your sport of being the greatest to ever play. And I think that you know it, it's part of your legacy. But do you think about your legacy? Do you think still like obviously you've had some shit happen in the public eye? No one cares. Things pass, and you know, like you said, you've gotten yourself better. Your family and you are close. But do you think about your legacy and your place in football? Um, not really, but I do think about it sometimes. You know, we uh, yesterday uh, myself, Ricky Jackson, and Michael Jordan. We all sitting at the golf club. 
and uh, having conversations. So, and we've talked about Ben Ricky was saying, "Listen, no way that uh, uh, Tom Brady was going to win that, right?" But Michael Jordan, who's a legend himself, he says, "There's no way that Tom Brady won't win that game." But before we let you go, so you, you know, I'll tell you right now, your legacy is going down as the baddest motherfucker to ever play in the league. Number 56 should be retired for the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, for the whole NFL? Yeah, hell yeah. That's very nice of you. I'll tell you what, okay? Thank you, LT. <laughs> um, and then we know who's winning on Sunday. I may take Brady still, but he's going with Mahomes. 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 <laughs> LT, I appreciate it, man. I wish we could do this again. Have fun. All right, guys. Later on.